Well, good morning, Chapel family. It is so good to be together again. And thank you, Kathy Richardson, for that wonderful message and song. Before we come to the Word this morning, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are so grateful that You are the God of the resurrection. You raised Christ from the dead, and one day we know that likewise we will be raised with Him. We're thankful that You are the God of the impossible, that there's nothing that You can't do, and so we can bring our problems and our needs before You. We can rest in Your care knowing that You've, you've got this. Father, we do bring before You some of our con- in our congregation, there are a number who are uh, battling cancer. There are a number who are, who are uh, fighting other ailments. Lord, we pray your healing upon them. We pray your comfort for Carol Pitzer, for Jay, in the loss of uh, Carol's mom this week. We ask your grace on their whole family in this difficult time for them. Father, we're grateful that through this pandemic, I'm not aware of any of our folks who have been personally touched by this disease, but uh, Father, we pray that you would continue to keep our folks healthy. We pray that you would end this pandemic in our land, that you would work through this to turn the hearts of people to our Lord Jesus. We pray for wisdom and grace for our leaders that they might lead well. And Father, we ask now as we come here to your word that you would meet us here, that you would instruct us and teach us through your word that we might not only learn of You, but draw nearer to You. And that we might be more conformed to the image of our Lord Jesus Christ, and in so doing, to bring You greater glory. So, Father, to that end, we ask Your grace, and we ask these things in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, last week we began looking in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, a marvelous and encouraging chapter about faith. I hope you have a Bible handy and that you'll turn with us to Hebrews 11 and uh, follow along as we study this morning. We saw in their passage last week uh, a description of faith in verses 1 and 2. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. In the rest of this chapter, the author of Hebrews takes us, as it were, on a helicopter tour. Helicopters tours are quick, but you get a big overview, and that's what this is. It's a quick flyover view of all of Old Testament history to show us examples of faith fleshed out in the lives of men and women, the Old Testament heroes of faith. But before we get to them, we have our passage for today, verse 3. And in verse 3, we begin at the very beginning. It says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Here we begin with a matter of faith, uh, one which is both an ancient and a modern, a contemporary issue. A question that we and truly every person who has ever lived, including all these Old Testament heroes of the faith who, whose stories will follow, uh, it's one that we all must face. It's the question of origins. Where did we come from? 
The biblical account of creation in Genesis 1 through 3 flies in the face of most contemporary thought. It is attacked by the secular world, by liberal Christianity, and in our time, even by some in the evangelical Christian camp. To stand against all of that and to stand with the, the, the plain reading of Scripture is truly an, a step of faith. But I am confident that this verse is here because creation is essential to our Christian faith. I see in this, in this verse before us this morning of verse 3 of Hebrews 11, I see four important truths about our origins in this verse. It begins, by faith we understand. By faith. Faith is the starting place. Whatever view of origins someone has, in reality it is a matter of faith. All theories of origins, whether we believe in creation by God, or whether someone believes in the Big Bang theory or, or black hole theory or plasma universe theory or whatever, uh, every one of those is based on faith because, see, none of us were there. Our beginnings, we weren't there to see the beginnings of the universe and our world and of humanity. And our beginnings cannot be repeated. They can't be observed. They can't be tested, nor can they be proven. As Jeffrey Burbage, a noted astrophysicist, candidly wrote in an article in Scientific American, he said, Big Bang cosmology is probably as widely believed as has been any theory of the universe in the history of Western civilization. It rests, however, on many untested and in some cases untestable assumptions. Indeed, he says, Big Bang cosmology has become a bandwagon of thought that reflects faith as much as objective truth. It is faith, however, not just in general, but it is faith in God's Word. Biblical faith is not faith in faith. It's not faith in whatever, but as we noted last week, it is faith in specific. Specifically, here it is faith in God and in what God has said. And while none of us were there to observe the beginnings of the universe, there was one eyewitness who was there. One eyewitness of how everything came to be, and that was the Maker Himself. And by faith, we accept his account of how we got here. He goes back to Genesis, Genesis 1.1. God says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's faith in God's word, and it goes on to say, by faith, we understand. That word understand is really a very interesting word. The Greek word there means to perceive with the mind. In other words, our faith is not an unthinking, mindless faith, as some people, uh, unbelievers particularly, tend to, to want to say. Our faith is not that way. We don't leave our brains at the door when we follow Christ. 
Rather, what this verse says is that it is faith which gives us understanding. Our faith gives us clarity and insight to our thinking so that we rightly look at creation and we rightly understand what we see. By faith, we look at creation and we see evidence of the Creator God. We see it everywhere. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim the work of His hands. Wherever we look in the, in the universe, we see the glory of God displayed in the heavens. On the other hand, those without faith They see the very same creation we do, but instead of seeing the glory of God, as Romans 1 says, they they, um, suppress the truth and they reject God. It says in Romans 1 verse 22, although they knew God, they neither glorified Him nor as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, They became fools. So, by faith in what God has said, this text tells us, we gain understanding. Understanding in how we got here, but more than that, it's it's not only uh, that we understand how we got here, but we understand that it is only from the Word of God, it is only from the Word of the Creator that we get sufficient answers to all of the great questions of life. Questions of who am I? How did I get here? Why am I here? Where am I going? Faith gives us understanding. So moving on to the next phrase in this verse, it is uh, by faith we understand the next phrase is that the universe was created. And that's our second big truth in this text is that the universe was created. That uh, word created literally means, the Greek word there is to be put into order. It, it talks about putting things together in a way that is perfectly fitting for them for an appointed purpose. God has put perfectly in order the universe. It has precision. It has complexity. It has purpose. And that verb has created is in the perfect tense, meaning that it describes something in the past, a past action that has continuing results. What that means is that it wasn't just put in order perfectly at creation and it's been winding down, but that it is still, it's a, it's still going on today. In other words, what that means is if this is true, then we should expect to be able to look at the creation and to see in this universe around us to discover a world that is rational, a world that is ordered, a world that contains specified complexity, complexity with a purpose, and to see the evidence of of the intelligent design of Creator God. It is exactly that understanding of God and of His creation is why most of the early scientists were Christians. Men like Copernicus, like Galileo, like uh, Blaise Pascal, like Isaac Newton, Carl Linnaeus, Johannes Kepler, Louis Pasteur, and Michael Faraday. These men were... Pioneer scientists, 
They were also all devout believers in Christ. It is their, their faith that is what encouraged them and drove them in their science. That God created a, a rational and an ordered world that could be explored. And that by exploring the world, we could bring God honor as we do so. Well, as the technologies of science and continued to progress, we can see farther now into the universe than ever before. And we can delve deeper into the microscope uh, levels than we ever could before with my- molecular biology and DNA. And what has been discovered on every level is increasing complexity beyond anything ever anyone ever imagined. Where they thought they would get to the bottom of things and understand uh, how things worked, what they discover is they understand some things, but they, they discover more complexity and, and more questions than they ever had before. And it has raised greater questions and greater doubts about how naturalistic evolution could ever occur. Sir Frederick Hoyle is a noted British astronomer and mathematician. He wrote this. He said, it's easy to show that the 2,000 or so enzymes that make up the whole of of life could not have evolved on the earth. He says, if one counts the number of trial assemblies of amino acids that are needed to give rise to the enzymes, the probability of their discoveries by random shufflings turns out to be less than one in 41 in 10 to the 40,000th power. That is an astronomical number. It is the equivalent of saying it is absolutely impossible. Molecular biologist Michael Denton likewise honestly recognized the inability of evolution to account for all of the extreme complexity of a cell. And he wrote, to grasp the reality of life as it has been revealed by molecular biology, we must magnify a cell a thousand million times until it is 20 kilometers in diameter and it resembles a giant's airship large enough to cover a city like London or New York. What we would then see would be an object of unparalleled complexity and adaptive design. On the surface of the cell, we would see millions of openings like the portholes of a vast spaceship, opening and closing to allow a continual stream of materials to flow in and out. If we were to enter one of these openings, we would find ourselves in a world of supreme technology and bewildering bewildering complexity. (laughs) Marvelous. Everywhere around us in nature, there is complexity. There is order. All of these things clearly declare the existence and the glory of a Creator. And yet, sadly to my knowledge, neither of these men, before they died, came to believe in and know the Creator God. Well, there's a third big truth in this passage, and I find it in the third phrase. It's, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God. This universe was created at God's command. 
It is, it was a decisive act. Creation was not an accident. It wasn't a random chance. It was a decisive action of God. He chose and He intended it. It's not the product of natural forces at work over millions and billions of years. Rather, God spoke and creation happened. Genesis 1, it records eight times that God speaks things into existence. Each time, God simply says, let there be. And then it says, and it was so. Likewise, Psalm 33 in verse 9 says, For He, that's God, spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. There is, this creation was instantaneous. There was no hint of, in those, in those verses, no hint of gradual development, no process of trial and error. No age-long, millions of years, step-by-step development. The reality is, any honest reading of the Scripture, I think, makes it clear that if God did not create the world in seven days, by the word of His mouth, we are, we are at best misunderstanding Genesis 1 and Psalm 33, but it's more than that. Because... If He didn't create the world in seven days by the word of His mouth, not only are we misunderstanding Genesis and Psalms, but Jesus and Paul are also either mistaken or even worse, they are liars. See, Jesus said in Mark 10, verse 6, but at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Jesus didn't believe that man appeared on the scene after millions of billions of years of evolution. He affirms the Genesis account. People were made at the very beginning of creation, to be precise, according to Genesis, on the sixth day. Paul likewise literally believed in the Genesis creation account. He says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, For Adam was formed first, then Eve. So we come now to the last phrase of this verse and to the fourth major point. It says, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. In other words, everything that we see was made out of nothing. For those of you up-and-coming Latin scholars, that that the Latin word is ex nihilo. God created everything we see out of nothing. Matter, Energy, time, physics, and chemistry, all of these things came into being when God spoke them into existence. Heavens and earth were born at the Word of God. Ultimately, what this tells us is that no naturalistic reasoning, no natural naturalistic investigation can ever fully comprehend or explain the mystery of when and how everything came to be. Mankind's best attempts will inevitably come to a frustrating emptiness because the system of the universe cannot explain its existence. But when we look at this universe through the eyes of faith, we understand that the only logical explanation is that a a creator, 
a creator who exists outside of matter and space and time, outside of the realms of physics and natural laws, this creator created it all from nothing. I love the way Dr. Ray Pritchard puts it. He says, science plus faith leads you back to God. But science without faith leaves you in a hopeless quandary. Robert Jastrow was an astronomer and physicist. He founded NASA's Goddard Institute. He described himself as an agnostic. But in his book, God and the Astronomers, he explains the lines of evidence that finally forced scientists like himself to acknowledge what many of them did not want to accept, that the universe has not always existed. And that there was, there had to be a time, even if just for a minuscule fraction of a second, at the very beginning when the known laws of physics did not apply. And the conclusion to his book reads like this. For the scientist who has lived by faith in the power of reason, the story ends like a bad dream. He has scaled the mountains of ignorance. He is about to conquer the highest peak. And as he pulls himself over the final rock, he is greeted by a band of theologians who have been sitting there for centuries. While he acknowledged that nature and physics cannot possibly account for our present creation, Jastro, at least that I'm not a I'm not aware of, he never acknowledged the Creator. Ultimately, this takes us back to the role of faith as in the first of our verse. Our verse says, faith looks at the marvel of creation and then it understands. It sees the wonder of the Creator who formed it all. But the person who will not receive, who will not believe what God has said, as Romans 1 told us when we read that a few moments ago, he will refuse to see the Creator. And no matter how absurd, he will conclude that creation must somehow be a product of itself. So three takeaways for us from this text this morning. The first is this. God's glory is displayed in the grandeur of creation. And it's amazing. And if during all this time of shutdown, if you've got some extra time, I urge you to go outside. Look big. Look small. And notice the marvel of God's handiwork in creation. And then turn that back to Him in prayer. Even more amazing than His work in creation is God's love for us. God loved us so much as John 3.16 that he, He sent His own Son. God stepped into His creation to rescue us from sin. Jesus paid the cost of our sins so that we might have a relationship with God and have eternal life and have our sins forgiven. He offers this as a gift He wants. Trust in Jesus. If you have yet to place your trust in Jesus Christ, I urge you even now, believe in Him. Trust Jesus as your Savior. Thirdly, I wonder, are you struggling with worry, with fear, with stress? 
The God who spoke all of creation into being, that almighty Creator God is the same God who says, come to me all who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Find rest in the almighty God who loves you. Trust Him. Leave your cares with Him. Father, what a marvelous thing. You are the great creator of all. Thank you for making the beauty of creation for us to enjoy. You created all this, your word tells us, for a place for us to live. Creatures whom you delight in. We marvel at that that you care about us. That's what Psalm goes on to say. Is, is, uh, it says, what is man that you are mindful of him? And we wonder, why, why do you care about us? But you do. You love us. You love us even though we were rebels. You sent Jesus. We that. So this week, as we go back and we we review and we think about this passage. May it cause us to marvel in your love. May it cause us to marvel in your creation and to give you glory as the great creator. May it cause us to trust you more fully and deeply. To realize that we don't need to worry about our future. We don't need to worry about the coronavirus. We don't need to worry about our, our, uh, our job, our finances. We don't have to worry about, uh, Anything, we can trust you. So may we pursue you with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. May we do as Jesus said, to seek you first and righteousness and everything else will be added to us. Thank you for those marvelous promises. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.